by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series. Learn how to identify feelings, what motivates actions, and find biblically-based solutions to manage emotions. Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom. For those you love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Susan, uh, what's up for today? Today, we are going to be talking about Christian emotional and psychological support. And so right before the program, I was asking Susan to give me a little support <laughs> on this. The reason is, is because, see, I'm a runner, and I, I, I kind of... Uh, a marathon I, runner? I'm, no, not a marathon runner. I, I hide from people and and stuff like that. And so uh, this whole thing is something that I need to really listen to uh, as as we uh, talk about this because uh, social, social, social support is very necessary in or, in or out of the Christian world. But we're going to talk about Christian, you know, within the Christian realm, the social support. And uh, so I need to listen up. Because, uh, like I say, I kind of like to be a loner, and that's there's no such thing as a loner Christian, is there? No. No. Uh, Susan, would you uh, would you please pray for us? Yes. Loving Father in heaven, thank you again for this new day. Um, we're grateful that um, we can come to you in prayer, and that you hear us, and that you desire to to know the wants of our hearts, and that you're here to heal us and to help us to to have strength and support, not just from you, but through each other as well. And so we just pray that you will um, keep our minds open to the thoughts and the words that will be spoken today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, John 13, uh, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's very clear that being unloved, lonely, and isolated increases the likelihood of various various risky behaviors. Diseases and premature death from all causes rises by 200 to 500 percent or more in such individuals. Saddest of all, isolation deprives us of the joy of everyday life, the joy that comes from satisfying and fulfilling relationships. One study was conducted on 170 military wives receiving prenatal, prenatal care at a military hospital. The research showed that the women without emotional and psychological, psychological support had three times as many complications as those with adequate, adequate support. Anything that promotes a sense of isolation may lead to illness and suffering. That which promotes love and intimacy connection and community is healing and brings health and no wonder because as humans we were meant to live in community and fellowship with one another that's right solitary confinement is a controversial form of punishment used in prison prisoners who are placed in solitary confinement will spend up to 23 hours a day in a cell with no human contact except prison staff 
It has been called a barbaric form of punishment by its opponents due to its negative impact on the prisoner's mental health. The cell used for confinement can sometimes be around the same size as your average bathroom. In 24 hours, there may be one hour of exercise outside of the cell. There will be no contact with the outside world in any form, although prisoners may receive mail. Prisoners will not usually be allowed to watch television or make telephone calls. Now, statistics have shown that in the United States, there are around 25,000 prisoners serving sentences in solitary confinement. The majority of the prisoners in solitary confinement have been there for over five years. Can you imagine living in a cell with no outside contact, the size of a bathroom, for for five years? I mean... Now, some people believe that to be permanently isolated from human contact is to be sentenced to the punishment of living death. Although maybe extreme, this deception is not far from reality in the lives of many inmates housed in solitary confinement all over the world. With little or no, literal, little or no contact with hum, other humans, the prisoners are forced to live days, weeks, months, or even up to 20 years without companionship or external stimuli in their environment. As humans are social creatures, lack of social stimuli often has negative psychological consequences, including suicide, depression, chronophobia, and Ganser syndrome. Ganser syndrome is a type of factitious disorder, a mental illness in which a person acts as if he or she has a physical or mental illness when in truth he or she has caused the symptoms. You ever have you ever acted sick to get attention? Yeah. See, because guy, do you do it? Have you done it recently? Nothing no. I'm aware of. No, okay. Have you? <laughs> I think he he would do it more than I do it. Oh really? Where you get lots of attention when you're sick. I, I'm always sick. But okay, let's go back. You would to, have listened to our last program. <laughs> okay, let's go back to Ganser syndrome. Okay. People with factitious disorders act this way because of an inner need to be seen as ill or injured. These people are even willing to undergo painful or risky tests and operations in order to obtain the sympathy and special attention given to people who are truly ill. Factitious disorders are considered mental illnesses because they are associated with severe emotional difficulties. Can you imagine somebody... Having that that type of an illness being created in the mind simply because of their desire to have the need and the contact and the attention from another human being. It's and they, you know what it comes from. It comes from a, a lack of human companionship and external stimuli. Um, humans are inquisitive social creatures, and that w- they would barely survive in in social isolation. See and. Um, Prisons have adopted solitary confinement as a means to remove socially undesirable behavior from the general population. We kind of have to do that in order to keep things uh, somewhat, civil. somewhat civil. But the detrimental psychological effects it can cause are also a social cause for concern. You know, the Bible's clear, though. We're made in the image of God. It is clear, too, that Jesus is God. If you just read John 1, uh, 1 through 3. So... In the beginning, humans, before sin, reflected the moral character of Jesus. The same Jesus who loved us so much that he stooped down and took on our humanity 
in order to save us. Right. Is this is the same Jesus who was willing to minister to others by washing the feet of his betrayer? Is the same Jesus who even while dying on the cross took time to comfort the dying thief? And is the same Jesus who cried out, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. And think about this. Now, he's washing the feet of his betrayer a few days before he's going to die, and he knows what's going on, mm-hmm. right? And then he's dying on the cross, but what does he do? He takes the time to comfort the dying thief. He also takes the time to comfort his mother and tells John, hey, watch out for my mother. Right. And then as he's getting ready to go to the cross or on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So what is it? what is his concern with no matter what he is going through emotionally or physically what is his concern with it's with the support for somebody other people. else his he's trying to constantly support other people and ignoring the pain that he's in the unselfish love and concerns for others that marked jesus's life must have been reflected to some degree in adam and eve before the fall and i'm wondering what that must have been like to uh to be a sinless being a sinless human being and, uh, to be created in, 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 the, image in, in of, the image of God. Right. In the image of God. In fact, what does Genesis one twenty seven say? It says, so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In the beginning, God created man in his own likeness. He gave him special qualities. His mind was well balanced. And remember, everything was very good. Everything was very good. Very good. Very good. But the fall... And its effects have perverted the gifts that man was endowed with beginning. Mm-hmm. Sin has nearly destroyed that image of God in man. And it's so sad. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus came to restore this. And so we have the plan of salvation. The idea of being like Jesus means being remade into the image in which we were originally created. And it's obvious from looking at Jesus, from seeing how he lived and how he treated people and how he loved even his enemies, that at the heart of Christ's character was unselfish love for others. See, and part of what it means to have been made in the image of God means that we originally were made to love and care unselfishly for those who are around us. We were made to love and to be loved. And you can't do this in a vacuum. No. We need people to love just as People need to be loved, and that's what community and family are all about. People are social beings. Now, not long after Adam was created, there was something that wasn't good, right? That's right. What was it? It man was, was not. It was it, not good, good for, for man, man to, to be, be alone. alone. And I, that's one of the first things I got to talk to God about when we get to heaven. What's that? Well, that it wasn't good for man to be alone. I'm well, not, it's no. You're not getting it. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> In life or death, we impact others, especially those in our family. In fact, in Romans fourteen seven, it, it kind of hints about how we, we, what happens to one person impacts somebody else. Right. It says, for every man's life and every man's death has a relation to others as well as to himself. And in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And you know what? This is so true with my relationship with my wife, Susan, here. Because when one of us is down, usually the other one is up enough to get us both through whatever's going on. It's usually she's up enough. I mean, but uh, 
that's the way a marriage should be i think when one person is down the other one picks them up and and, uh, and i think that i think that continues on to with friendship and yeah and from parent to sibling uh, you know to child and sibling to sibling that's i think and originally how god had planned it and i think we become so selfish that we don't perceive what someone else is going through because we're we're in our own little we're world we're so caught up in our own stuff right right and so i i know that one of the keys to our marriage is at least our, our we keep our eyes open on what someone else is good. if she needs to talk at least i look i want to fix her problems she doesn't want to fix i know yesterday you said would well, you i said i got to talk to you about something you said well do you want me to to listen or do you want me to fix it i said i just want you to listen don't no fix so i had to go into listen mode which is really hard because i'm i'm in fix it mode all the time boy just get and i still try to fix I know it. you did. Yeah, but as I, that was so sweet of me, though. To, to right to try to fix it. Yeah. Well, sure. Okay, but no, seriously, we we do try to help one one another out and try to be perceptive of, on what's going through, uh, what each one of us is going through. And when one is down, uh, the other one can pick. Right, because pick one. we we live in a sinful world, and we recognize that even though we're Christians and we may be doing you know, the very best and God is leading us in our lives, that there are still things that happen to us and there's still struggles out in this life. And it's our, it's our purpose. You know, our, our good friend always tells us that, um, it's my job to get rich to heaven and it's Rich's job to get me to heaven. And you know what, that's some, those are some of the wisest words that someone could could and, ever and, tell and if, you. if you're focused on that, then there can never be anything in between you and your marriage. Yep. Your job is to get Get me to heaven, and my job is to get you to heaven. That's Ooh, right. You got a difficult job because I've probably been through already three or four guardian angels. They're trading me off up there. Hey. <laughs> anyway, Paul tells us in Galatians six two to carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Because good relationships positively influence both our own and others' lives. We should learn to give and receive graciously. And, you know, human life is a precious creation of God. It's of utmost worth and is deserving of preservation. In many places, the value of life is not appreciated. For the Christian, every person is valuable. It's important to invest not only in your own health, but also in the health of others. But that statement, every person is, is, is valuable. Jesus was not a respecter of persons. When one person wouldn't listen to him, he went to someone else and it did not matter what, uh, Stage how, in life how or... affluent they were in society. Mm -hmm. It did not matter to him. He looked at everyone the same. That's right. A doctor studied the importance of social ties and social support in relationship to disease and more mortality rates. The close social and traditional ties of some cultures make for excellent health outcomes. The better the social ties, the better the health. He further indicated that social isolation results in poorer health and higher mortality rates. Meaningful social relationships positively influence physical, mental, and emotional behaviors. So let's talk a little bit about social unity that we should have in Christ. The Bible is clear that through redemption in Jesus, all barriers between us should be brought down because we are the same before the Lord, sinners in need of God's that, grace. That's exactly right. Everyone may be redeemed by Christ's precious blood because God wants how many to be lost? None. He wants no one to be lost. What's 2 Peter 2.9 tell us? 2 Peter 3.9 three, says, nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what is God's will? 
He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants us all to come to repentance. And he wants that for every single person, no matter what our case may look like. That's right. So the church is made up of a lot of moving parts, isn't it? It is. Those parts should all be able to come together and strengthen one another and grow up together, right? Mm -hmm. What does Ephesians say about all these moving parts? And then what does it say about us growing up together in Christ? Because we, if we go to Ephesians 4.11, it kind of gives us uh, how the church is broken up, but how it should come together and how we should grow up. Let's read it. Okay. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Those are wonderful words. And you know, one one of the uh, verses that people do get hung up on a little bit is, is Ephesians 4.13 when it says, well, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. It sounds real brittle, doesn't it? Perfect. But think of it this way. Well, you take an apple that's not ripe. You, mm-hmm. take, an, you take an apple it, when it's I, just starting to grow and it's about an inch around. Mm-hmm. And then you take an apple that's about half ripe. Mm-hmm. And then you take a full apple that's, that's fully ripe and ready to pick and ready to eat. Mm-hmm. At what stage is that apple perfect? It's perfect in every stage of growth that it's in. So so we don't have to right. think of perfection as something brittle and unattainable. Perfe- wherever you gift. are in your Christian growth, you are perfect in the Lord. Where he, As long as right. you're living up to the light that he's given you. Right, because you can't, that little apple, that, that big perfect apple can't become that big perfect apple unless it goes through the stage of being and, that little and, tiny and, apple. That little tiny that sour perfect, and everything else. That's right, but it's perfect in its right. stage of growth. Right. And that's what Christian perfection is. God does not expect anything more out of you in your stage of growth than the light that he gives you. I mean, that what kind of God would that be? And and per, I've always heard that perfection is not a requirement; it's a gift. It's a gift. For perfection is a gift. As long as we live up to the light God gives us, as long as we uh, as we look to Him and trust in Him, that's all He all He asks. Right. That little apple is perfect in every stage of growth, mm-hmm. and a Christian that's following the Lord is perfect in every stage of growth. Christian social support is a result of growing up in Christ. You grow up, you learn how to support other members in the church or members in your community, and that's part of Christian growth. And this is where I'm talking to myself here because I have to learn this social support. Um, No one hates their own body. All parts of the body interact to function effectively. If one part of the body suffers, all functions are affected. You know how that is. Well, you had a little thing on the bottom of your foot the other day that was driving you nuts. The next thing, your back your back is out because you're favoring. You know, if one part of your body hurts, and if we understand that about the church, and that's what Christ is trying to teach us, if someone is down in the church, they need our support. The whole body should hurt. 
we feel the impact of everyone else's problem. That's what true Christianity mm-hmm. is. A person can have the, all the theological knowledge in the world, but if the person is not kind, loving, caring about others, what good does that knowledge do? Right. This seems to be very much the theme of Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. It would do us all good to read that chapter over once in a while and then ask ourselves, how well are we following what Paul says there? And I there? think that's very important, isn't it? Yes. What's, uh, what's John thirteen thirty five tell us? It says, by this all will, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Right, and then Romans fifteen seven says, therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. That's right. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, it's interesting that God has to tell us to do this stuff. It's interesting in the Ten Commandments, he has to tell us not to kill each other. And tell us, I mean, that's... To be that's, nice to your mom and dad. Yeah, Don't to be nice, steal from each other. But he actually has to sit us down and tell us, don't do this and do this. Be nice to your neighbor. I mean, when you read it and then you think about it in reality, it is so absurd that he actually has to sit us down and tell us this. But this is the kind of God that we serve, that he's actually willing to sit us down and tell us these types of things. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, it says in Colossians 3.12, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. And in James 5.16, it says, confess your trespasses to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And in 1 Peter 4, 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. See, he even has to tell us that. Be nice to one another. Right. Don't grumble. Like little children. And open your home. Open your homes to each other without complaining. You know, you could, you could just kind of visualize little children, what you tell your little children. This is what God is telling Share the us. Ball. <laughs> we, as we have seen, human beings... As human beings, we're made to love one another as Jesus loved. And and the only way we can learn that is by watching what Jesus did. When we do this, we don't just benefit others. We benefit ourselves as well. Think of how good you feel when you step out, reach out, and help someone else. When you selflessly give yourself with no intention of getting anything back for yourself, something inside changes. Something inside is touched. And something happens inside the brain and and you there is a reward there's a sense of well-being we get a satisfaction that really nothing else can match and that is because by by giving of ourselves we are living as we were meant to live we're doing what we were originally created to do we were created in the image of god and that's how what we were originally intended to do so we've seen a positive mental outlook on life can have a positive impact on us physically as well Our body reacts better when we feel positive, happy, and fulfilled. No wonder, then, scientific studies have shown positive medical benefits that arise from doing good for others. So there's just way too many many benefits when we talk about social support, emotional support, as we work in the Christian community to help one another. It's important. It's a real, it's an important part of the Christian life. That's right. It makes perfect sense. By helping others, we feel better, and when we feel better, our physical and spiritual being is improved. The life of Jesus on earth was a life of service. From his earliest days of his ministry right up to the end, he was serving humanity. In fact, 
according to the Bible, he's still serving us today. And, and there's, you know, there's always ways to serve. There's always ways to serve. You know, some of my guys get to job a little bit early. Why? Because there's always something to do. Mm-hmm. And if you look around, there's always something to do for someone. And I think even if it's just a smile, I, and I think the time that we don't feel like doing something for others is, is the, the time, time we need, need to, do to do it the most. most. That's right. I know for me specifically, and I think one of the reasons we wanted to do this program was today. I need to talk to myself about this more often, mm-hmm. about helping others, because all the head knowledge in the world is not going to do it. That will not change the heart and make me a new creature. Only only being in service like Christ was like in service. By beholding, we become changed. So we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, don't we? We do. And as we close today, folks, we would like you to keep in mind that there is a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.